Jesus changed my life when I came to faith in him. And uh, what an amazing difference he brought. And uh, it, it's amazing the change that Jesus can bring. I, I remember uh, my mom saying that when my dad was saved, she had a brand new husband. Uh, he was different. Uh, that's what Jesus does. Uh, Paul, in talking about the difference that Jesus made in his life, he said, uh, uh, I did all these things, but hey, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And uh, it, praise God for his grace and, and the transformation that he brings in our lives. And uh, we need that change initially when we come to faith in Jesus, but we need, he's continually sanctifying us and growing us as Christians. We need that change that he continues to bring. Um, in this scripture, we actually have uh, a family that is very dysfunctional. You know, I'm glad that, that God includes stories like this in the Bible because it gives us hope. Uh, right, what you see in Genesis 37, God's actually not mentioned. Uh, in Genesis 37, all that's mentioned are the problems, uh, the heartaches, the betrayal that is found in Jacob's family. But praise God, that's not the end of the story. God works an amazing change in the lives of these people. And uh, as you read through the book of Genesis, we're going to mention some of these changes that he brings. Uh, as you read through the book of Genesis, the change that God makes is truly amazing. And how he redeems and sets them on a new path, uh, it, it is exactly what God does in our lives when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to look to God and specifically to Jesus Christ for the change that we need in life. And the time my message is changed by His grace, if that looks different in your bullets, and that's because I changed it. Okay? Uh, so, uh, not Margaret's fault, uh, but uh, changed by His grace. All right, uh, look with me at uh, verse 1 of Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceful, peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There were binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had? He said, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. 
His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley and he went down to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in a field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes the dream expert. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on, and then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin, uh, going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When the Midianite tra traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guards. Um, the uh, Midianites were... Uh, a more specific group of Ishmaelites, in case that's a question. Um, so, um, how to, uh, how to, how, how, he says, changed by his grace. How are we changed by his grace? Well, the first thing we need to see is that God can turn immaturity to wisdom. God can turn immaturity to wisdom. In verse 2, Joseph brings. A bad report to his father. Um, we don't know what the content of this report was, but he's out there working with his brothers, and uh, either they say something about him that he shares, or he just brings a bad report about them. The Hebrew's a little bit ambiguous there. But either way, he's tattling on his brothers. Okay, so that, that didn't make them feel too good. And uh, then he begins to share his dreams, right? 
And he doesn't do it in a subtle way. He says, hey, I had a dream, and guess what? You guys are going to bow down to me. And, uh, and then on top of that, they notice how their father is responding. And, and you know, this, it just goes from bad to worse. So Joseph is immature, but you know what? He learns wisdom. God uses the circumstances of his life uh, as his brothers betray him and sell him into slavery, as he's falsely accused and put in prison. All along this way, God is developing his character and teaching him wisdom. And the Bible says that that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And uh, he ends up having great wisdom. And he ends up, through his wisdom, not only delivering uh, his family, but delivering the world through uh, the wise precautions he makes for the famine that is yet to come. So God changed his immaturity to wisdom. Aren't you glad that God doesn't leave us like we are? He, he helps us grow. He teaches us wisdom. And we can ask God for wisdom, and he will grant it. So um, God can change immaturity to wisdom. So if you've got an irritating sibling, uh, be patient. God, God can change them. Or if you are the irritating sibling, uh, tell your siblings to be patient. <laughs> so uh, God can change, make, make these changes. And, and let's face it, we all need patience, don't we? Uh, there are times where all of us are out of sorts. There are times where all of us have said something that we shouldn't have said. And uh, we need the patience and love of God's people. And so uh, if somebody's acting immature, remember, God can change immaturity to wisdom. So pray for them and, um, and uh, be patient with them. All right. So changed by his grace, what can God change? God can turn immaturity to wisdom. Secondly, God can turn discord to friendship. God can turn discord to friendship. If you look in verse 4. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. They hated him. So Jacob's not being too smart. Uh, He's playing favorites here. It says they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. They hated him so much, they couldn't say a kind word to him. Now that's some discord. Now I've seen seen discord in in, uh, the family at times. I've seen discord in churches, but I've never seen discord... Uh, well, maybe there's one exception. <laughs> Generally, I've not seen discord like this, where somebody just couldn't speak peaceably to someone else at all. They couldn't be cordial. They couldn't speak any kind of word whatsoever to him. Uh, so, so great was their hatred of Joseph. Um, this was discord at the highest level. This was broken relationship at the highest level, and yet God turns it to friendship. Years pass, Joseph is learning and growing, but they're also learning and growing. If, if you go ahead and you read uh, what happens with Judah, uh, Judah has betrayed his brother, but he's also betrayed his father as he sells Joseph into slavery, and he, he dips his robe in the blood of a kid and deceives his father just like his father deceived his father with a, with a skin and so forth. Uh, but... but he does this in betrayal, and his father thinks he's lost his son, and he's grieving and mourning the loss of a son. What happens to Judah? Judah ends up losing two of his sons because God puts them to death because they're wicked. His third son is next in line to be the life 
of the uh, wife of the older son. He said, I'm not sure I want to do that. And so uh, you could read that, that colorful Jerry Springer story in the next chapter if you're interested. But, uh, but it, it, he does learn. He learns quite a bit. And, and God humbles Judah. And Judah now understands what his father's going through. And later on, when he, when he comes and he brings Benjamin to Joseph, he, Joseph says, hey, I'm going to keep Benjamin here with me. He's testing his brothers and seeing, are they still trying to be treacherous? Uh, have they repented? And, and Judah steps up, and you know who he acts like? Just like Jesus Christ. He says, look, he says, our father, we've told you, our, our uh, brother is not. He, he's, he's passed, and you know, they thought Joseph was dead. He said, but this, this son that you're trying to keep here in Egypt, he's, he's the, the precious son of my, my father's old age. I can't bear to see what will happen to my father if I don't take him back to him. Take me instead. And Judah offers to take the place of Benjamin. Not only has he repented, but he becomes a picture of Jesus Christ and what he does for us so that we can go to be with our heavenly father. Um, so later on, when Joseph reveals himself to them, uh, it's one of the most moving places in Scripture. The brothers are hugging each other, and they're weeping upon each other's necks. Uh, and if you've ever seen when p- people get right with each other after they've been angry at e- with each other, and they're weeping, this is the picture. And they wept a long time, the Scripture says. Uh, what a beautiful picture of restoration. And they're, they're having dinner at Joseph's house. They're all having a big old time, uh, feasting together uh, as friends. Uh, listen, God has done this. God has brought this discord and changed it to friendship. God can still do that today. He can heal churches. He can heal families. He can heal relationships. And so call on him if there's a broken relationship in your life and ask God, uh, to heal it. So, um, changed by His grace, what can God change? He can change immaturity to wisdom, discord to friendship, thirdly, superiority to humility. <laughs> um, in verse 7, Joseph says, Suddenly my sheep stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. I kind of imagine him going, You, you guys are going to bow down. To my sheep. He's acting superior. He's got this coat of many colors, or some believe it, it's the long-sleeved robe of royalty. Uh, and uh, he's, he's, got, he's got this fancy outfit on that his father has given him, and he's acting uh, all superior to his brothers. God can change superiority to humility. And later on, when Joseph could be proud and arrogant and get revenge on his brothers, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many lives. And, 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 and it's so, so beautiful, the mercy that he shows and the humility that he shows towards his brothers and uh, the restoration that takes place is just amazing. God has has truly humbled his heart. And though he's the second in leadership over all Egypt, and though his parents, not his biological mother bowing down to him, but, but probably Leah, as 
after Rachel died, Leah would have taken over that role. Um, they're all bowing to him just as he saw in his dreams, but he's not rubbing it in. He's not saying, see, I told you so. Right? He, is, he humbly shows love and grace and mercy to his brothers. So God can change superiority to humility. And by the way, if you struggle with having a superior attitude, the Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So confess that to God and, and uh, remember what Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. But praise God, he also said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> so uh, be dependent upon Christ. The, the antidote for pride is trust in God. So, so God can change superiority to humility. He can also change hatred to repentance. Uh, verse 8, are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him, are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more. They hated him, they hated him, they hated him. It says it three times. God can change hatred to repentance. Um, when God changes a person's heart who's hateful, uh, not only is a relationship often restored, but God brings a new joy and a new peace into the heart of the person who formerly had hated. Listen, if you're, if you're busy hating somebody, you have no peace because hatred is a quenching of the Spirit of God. Uh, they hated, listen, they hated him and hated him severely. It, it seems to be a generational thing, right? Esau said, I'm going to kill that Jacob. He, he stole my birthright. Now he's taking my blessing. I'm going to put him to death as soon as my father dies. And Jacob has to flee. Now the same thing's happening in, with his sons. Uh, they want to kill their brother. Until Judah comes up with the bright idea, hey, we could make some money off this deal. Let's not kill him, let's sell him. And so um, God, God can change that hatred to repentance. Uh, next, he could change betrayal to love. If you look down in verse 27, jo Joseph has gone to check on his brothers. Reuben has intervened and uh, got them to delay killing him. And so they're sitting around. Reuben's gone somewhere. We don't know where. And, and uh, Judah says to his brothers in verse 26, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Talk about betrayal. Here's their own brother, and they're betraying him. They're selling him as a slave. Not only do they sell him as a slave, but... They're very casual and cavalier about it. Uh, when they're originally intending to murder him, uh, they throw him in a pit, and they're sitting there eating lunch together. Like, oh, this is no big deal. Uh, they betrayed him in the worst possible way. But God changes this betrayal to love. And later on, when Joseph reveals himself, they have quite a bit of fear. <laughs> uh, but the love is restored. And finally, when Jacob dies, they come and they said, you know, please uh, don't deal harshly with your servants. You know, and they're appealing to Joseph. Joseph, Joseph begins to weep and, uh, and says, hey, am I in the place of God? Uh, listen, I'm, you don't have to worry about me taking revenge. 
And, uh, and, and so God restores all of this, and, there, and there's love where there was once betrayal. So God uh, changes immaturity to wisdom, discord to friendship, superiority to humility, hatred to repentance, betrayal to love, greed to selflessness. Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. He was all about what he could get from it, right? What's in it for me? And uh, Judah found some willing partners in that. Later on, though, when Judah is presented with the issue of Benjamin, he says, take me instead. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Take me instead. That's the heart of Christ. Um, And so he's gone from being greedy, from working the system, to having a heart of love and and being selfless in the way that he deals with other people. What else can God change? God can change deception to confession. If you look in verses uh, 31 and 32, So they took Joseph's robe, they slaughtered a male goat and dipped the robe in its blood, They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? They sent it to him. They didn't want to be there when their father found out. But they sent it with a message. Is this your son's robe or not? And they deceive their father. Just like Jacob deceived Isaac, they deceive him. And this deception was the worst kind of deception. It was a deception that was hurtful down to the core of who Jacob was. Matter of fact, it devastated his life so much that he told his family. They were trying to comfort him. You know, uh, you still got us. You know, come. <laughs> uh, they're trying to. He said, "No." He says, "I will go to my grave weeping for my son." If you've ever seen somebody like that who's caught in a cycle of grief, it's one of the most tragic things you could ever behold. They hurt their father in a way that is is hard to even describe. But deceit was changed to confession. They've they've confessed it to God apparently by the time they get to Israel because I mean to Egypt because they're talking about it. They're, they're carrying guilt about what they've done. And uh, I, I can't help but think that uh, Judah has connected the dots. What did God tell Abraham? Those who curse you, I will curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. And it's working out that way. Uh, these things are continuing on. And um, Judah's... Judas, and the others are are describing these things together, and they're saying, you know, didn't you know we didn't uh, we we didn't we weren't merciful when he was crying out to us from the pit. They're remembering the cries of Joseph when they, when they betrayed him. They've come to acknowledge their own sin. They're 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 carrying guilt about it because they know what they've done. They said, you know, the reason this guy's giving us a hard time. Is because of what we did to our brother Joseph. And so ultimately, uh, 
this confession opens the way to the, this restored relationship, not just with Joseph, but also with God. And you know, one of the amazing things about this story, Judah, who is one of the chief villains of this chapter, becomes a chief hero. I've already mentioned the fact that he, he, he becomes a picture of Christ in his intercession for Benjamin. Uh, but Judah becomes the tribe of royalty. He becomes the forerunner or forefather of Jesus Christ, the line of the tribe of Judah. Who is he? He's a sinner. He, he has wickedly treated his family. He's wickedly, he's treated his brother wickedly. He's treated his father wickedly. He doesn't deserve the position, but God is a God of grace. Aren't you glad? God has taken one who was a villain and he's made him into a hero. And the predictions about Judah, Judah takes a leadership role in his family in his later life and becomes a powerful influence for good in his family. And he's a picture of what Christ does in the heart of a person. Paul said it this way, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. Praise God that he... Uh, changes Saul's of Tarsus into Paul the Apostle. He is still in the life-changing business. And listen, I, I started out talking about the family uh, when I was originally preparing this message, but this is so much broader than the family. Listen, this applies to every area of life and every person of life. If we will come to Christ, if we'll humble ourselves and we'll confess our sins to Christ and we'll repent and we'll receive the the forgiveness that Jesus offers us in the cross. He will change us and give us a hope of the future. Listen, I want to tell you something. I don't deserve to be a child of God. I've sinned against God. Uh, I deserve to be cast away. But Jesus Christ redeemed me. and He paid the price for my soul. And he gave me a hope in the future. I'm a child of the king. One day I'm going to walk on streets of gold and see walls of jasper. I've been adopted into the family of my God. Uh, I have a place of privilege. I have a crown awaiting because I'm his. And it's all because of his grace. This is what God does. This is how he operates and praise his name for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you change us and you make us more and more to the likeness of Christ as you grow us. Thank you, Father, that uh, you give us a new nature, that you send the Holy Spirit to live within us as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live our lives to honor you for the great God that you are, and help us to trust you with the brokenness of our families, the brokenness of our relationships, and the brokenness in ourselves, God. And when we, we see uh, sin and unworthiness in ourselves, God, help us trust you with it and bring it to the cross to find uh, the, the renewed fellowship that we need with you. And, and uh, Father, for those any who, who are here tonight who may not know Christ, Father, help tonight to be the night where uh, repentance and trust in Jesus Christ would take place, uh, the receiving of that gift of eternal life, so that every sin might be forgiven and a new hope and a new life could begin. And we pray it in Jesus' name.